From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Good afternoon and thank you so much for being with us on this Wednesday, December 20th. And starting off today, we are taking a look at what might change or what changes you might notice if you're in a shop or a cafe and you are getting a meal, maybe something to take away, because there are new federal rules when it comes to single-use plastics. An update on checkout bags, plastic cutlery, other types of food serviceware, straws we've talked a lot about in the past. There are some exceptions when it comes to some of these items, but the list of items banned now, not completely banned in that you can't still get them if you go to a self-serve counter or ask for them, but they won't be given out as part of a meal in many cases. And the confusing part about this is it tends to change depending what city you're in, what part of the province you're in. And now what part of the country you are in? Well, joining me to talk more about what exactly has changed today is Greg Wilson. Greg Wilson is the Director of Government Relations with the Retail Council of Canada. Greg, thank you so much for being with us. Happy holidays. I know there's still some confusion given the federal rules when it comes to single-use plastics. Some provinces, such as B.C., that already have rules in place. So as of today, what has actually changed? Well, I mean, there are two changes that have happened on the same day um, that's bound to confuse people. It certainly confuses us a bit. But countrywide, Canada has banned single-use checkout bags, plastic single-use checkout bags, single-use plastic cutlery, which includes plastic chopsticks, and single-use plastic food serviceware um, that is these are things like expanded polystyrene foam and carbon black plastic and what have you that come as clamshell containers or cups, boxes, lids. They've also banned um, single-use plastic straws with certain certain exemptions for accessibility and the ring carrier, there's a ring carrier ban for um, tins of pop and beer coming shortly as well. So quite a few changes, and even though we've seen with the rules in BC or the different rules in, in cities that have their own rules in place, uh, this does seem like it's it's a bigger change and that people are going to notice this. Yes, and on the same day, BC also is introducing um, some single-use plastic food access service accessory requirements. And so... Um, those will also be noticeable. Um, So at the same time as, let's say, all your utensils will theoretically change from plastic to, say, wood or or things made out of paper fiber, um, the utensils will change sort of their style. BC is introducing requirements that most of these be available by request only or at self-service. And am I correct in saying on that list, so I, I think people are, are we're ready or we've talked about single-use plastic utensils, but this is even going to include things like napkins and lids? Yes. So um, napkin, you, you would have to request, if you go in for takeout, you would have to request a lid, a napkin, a, a package of ketchup or sugar, a stir stick or a... Um, you know, something along those lines. 
um, say, soy sauce with can't be packaged with your sushi. You have to request it separately. You could also go and get them yourself from a self-service station if the business chooses to operate that model. So a change there could be then, say, if you're at a at a fast food restaurant and say you're getting you're having it there uh, or to go, I suppose. But if you're having it there, people would would be familiar, I think, with you get the tray. They put a napkin on it and maybe a ketchup package if you want that and your food. So in, from moving forward from today in that scenario, you would then either have to go to the self-serve station and get those things or you'd have to ask the person behind the counter. Correct. All right. You mentioned sushi as well. And uh, I understand this might not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but coming in under this ban is also the the little piece of plastic grass that uh, you often see in sushi. And, and how else are we going to see sushi change? Well, so um, I actually went and bought sushi for lunch yesterday, um, part of being ready for today. Um, and so my sushi was separated from the wasabi by that plastic um, sushi, what's called sushi grass, that little piece of green plastic. That w- that the purpose of that is to keep the wasabi, you know, from the sushi because not everybody likes wasabi. And so that will that piece of sushi plastic sushi grass would have to be replaced by something else that. Either it'll have to disappear entirely or be replaced by something made, for example, of paper or cardboard. Um, but you'll also, you know, also in that package of, in that little tray of sushi came a little packet of soy sauce. I would have to remember next time to get my own packet of soy sauce. So those are the two, those would be the two substantive changes to that, to this packaged sushi that we're all very familiar with buying. Um, but, you know, it's not just plastic sushi uh, grass. It's all plastic garnishes. So you'll be familiar that there are little plastic umbrellas and other things that go in drinks. All those plastic garnishes are banned as of today. Hmm. What about the tray that sushi comes on? It's the, the, because it is all often on a, a plastic tray. Yes. So those, as long as they're compliant past plastic, aren't impacted by the federal ban. That is, you know, this is where the two sort of, um, the two items overlap. It couldn't be on polystyrene foam, but in many large BC municipalities, it already couldn't be on polystyrene foam. There's been a polystyrene foam food package, a food serviceware ban in Metro Vancouver and in Victoria for a large number of years. So that wouldn't have as direct an impact. I think most of these things will now pretty much always come on clear plastic that is 100% recyclable in your blue box. We are talking about the banning of single-use plastics and what is now in that ban. It's expanded as of today. My guest is Greg Wilson, the Director of Government Relations with the Retail Council of Canada. And Greg, just before the break, we were talking about the changes and what is actually in these new regulations and how it does change a bit from municipality to municipality. I also want to ask you about the federal court ruling. We know there was that court ruling. It recently found that the bans that the federal 
federal government was going on. They were too general when talking about single-use plastics. Uh, Alberta is one of the provinces uh, currently fighting the federal ban. So did the ban actually change because of the federal court ruling? Did that court ruling change anything that is happening today? I think the longer time you'd have to speak to a legal expert in terms of what that's what's going to happen there. But the federal government did indicate they're going to appeal that ruling. So um, in the short term, you know, this is this has gone forward. You know, the other aspect is that British Columbia has always indicated that they are banning these items anyway, if the federal government didn't ban them. So I would expect that if the federal ban was to to be ruled unconstitutional, for example, because of Alberta and Saskatchewan's appeal, that I would expect still that British Columbia would go ahead. Um, the province has always indicated they want to be a leader on removing, um, you know, single-use plastic waste um, as much as they can, and so I would expect that this would continue. Uh, what are your thoughts on the timing with this coming in on December 20th, which is uh, for many businesses, at least uh, many businesses hope that this is going to be a very busy time. Uh, would it have been better to delay this to the new year rather than have what is going to be a bit of confusion in at this time of year? And again, where businesses are, are really trying to, to make their money. Is the timing less than perfect? Yeah, British Columbia did delay a whole bunch of their um, requirements till next July uh, at our industry's request, um, along with the restaurant industry's request. Um, that's primarily because it is just going to take time to use up all of the single-use plastic and what have you in the system and to, and to reprogram points of sale, and the timing wasn't fantastic. Um, you know... Sometimes, you know, your businesses are left to wonder whether elected officials in Ottawa understood that uh, Christmas is a very busy season for most retail stores and restaurants. And just going back to something else that was on that list of things that are now banned, and you mentioned napkins, and I know chopsticks are on that list as well, but those aren't, usually chopsticks and napkins are a couple of items, those aren't traditionally plastic. They're not banned, they're by request. Okay. And so you, they can't just automatically give you one, and the chopsticks would have to be wooden, not plastic. So plastic um, chopsticks are banned countrywide as a single-use utensil, but the, primarily the wooden ones that you're given would have to now be um, given to you either by request or at a single-serve food surface station. And Greg, just one other question. And with the the different bans, when we're talking about the federal ban, like you said, the province of BC has already been moving forward on banning these types of single-use plastics. Uh, Then we look at what different cities are doing. Would it be better if everybody was on the same page? Because right now, do we have it so there are different rules and perhaps slightly different regulations depending on on where you might be? And, And is that confusing to the consumer? Well, I'm sure it's, you know, it's confusing for you and I in this conversation. So I'm certain it's, you know, confusing for consumers. And I've heard from retail stores across the country that it's confusing for retail store operators as well. Um, I'd have to say something nice about the city of Delta. The city of Delta repealed their um, bylaws on the effective date of the the federal ban, provincial bylaw. So, you know, or the provincial regulation. So, uh, you know, there are some municipalities that are seeing that 
this is um, that harmonization is useful for business and consumers to, for simplicity. All right. Well, Greg Wilson, thank you so much for, for making time to talk about this. And you're right, I think it, it might take some time for everybody to be fully up to date on what the rules are and uh, which rules are in place. But thank you so much for your time today. Welcome. Have a good day. That is Greg Wilson, Director of Government Relations with the Retail Council of Canada. Would love to hear from you on this. What are your thoughts on the banning and not full out banning in some cases, like Greg said, if it's things like lids for your cup and who isn't going to ask for a lid if you're taking it with you? Napkins, other items, not fully banned. They just will no longer, in those cases, they will no longer be included if you're taking a meal to go. You would have to ask for them or go to the self-serve station. What are your thoughts? on this, let me know on the buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ. That is 604-331-BUZZ2899. And uh, let me know your thoughts on that. You can also text that line as well, the 2899 line. You can email me, jill at cknw.com. Already getting some email on this particular issue. And this listener wrote in saying, and we wonder why our cost of living is soaring. Plastic forks replaced with more expensive wood ones will do nothing to address the worldwide use of plastics. Maybe refocusing our efforts would be better for the planet. This just seems like a feel-good move. Thank you for that to email. Appreciate that. Keep them coming again. Jill at cknw.com and 604-331-BUZZ is the buzz line. Speaking of the buzz line, we got so many calls yesterday on the issue of when we were talking yesterday on the program about electric vehicles and the switch to electric vehicles all in by 2035. Here's just a couple of calls that you had. We didn't have time to get to them yesterday, but callers who didn't love the idea so much. Justin Trudeau and his electric vehicles. Where are we getting the more electrical grids? Where are we getting the more dams? Where are we getting the mines? And the most important... Where is the average person getting the money to buy these brand-new vehicles? People can't afford to buy brand-new regular vehicles, never mind the sticker shock of the electric and what it costs if you have to replace a battery or two. Oh, my gosh. Let's use example. Staples. I'm in there trying to get in the groceries. Mayonnaise used to be $3.99. Mayonnaise is now $6.49 on sale, regular $7.99 in a year. And Justin Trudeau thinks we can all go out and buy new cars. Well, that's just one item on the grocery list. Do the math. How much 10 items is more? 20 items is more? How much feeding a family of four costs now? The man is out of touch with the average Canadian. There is no other way to put it. As far as electric vehicles, this liberal government can take a hike. I will do whatever it takes to run my gas-powered vehicle for the rest of my life. They will never, ever shove anything down my throat or make me do anything that I don't want to do. It is Wednesday afternoon, and that means it is time to check in with Claire Newell, the founder and president of Travel Best Bets. Claire, good afternoon to you. Hi, Jill. I feel like I haven't talked to you for such a long time. And, you know, I, I'm going to throw a wrench into the mix because I know I sent a bunch of notes to you. But it was just a reminder in the news you had a YVR talking about these are coming into the busiest days of the holiday season. Yes. And I just thought I would just run through 
some things and I know that people will be rolling their eye if they're really, you know, they're road warriors or they travel a lot. But I see people make these mistakes on every, I mean, every season I hear about it. So I just, just wanted to quickly, if you don't mind me, just going through some of the things that you should be aware of if you are traveling over the holiday season. And, and in the busy season, we'll go right from now until about the 5th of January. Yeah. No, I don't mind um, at all. Because, well, Claire, as you know, even when, when you think everybody knows these things, you always see people breaking these rules at the airport. Oh, I know. It's unbelievable. Anyway, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the website. Everybody should go to this website if they're traveling outside of Canada for multiple reasons. The website is travel.gc.ca. Um, a couple of things. It's important to check the entry and exit requirements. And I know that some people will be traveling really close, uh, but there are people who will be traveling really internationally during this time period. So if you um, you may not need just your passport, it may need extra validity. So that could be three months, six months, eight months, depending on where you're traveling. The other thing is is to register your trip. So there is a section on travel.gc.ca where you can do this and it says register your trip. I suggest anyone going outside of Canada do this. It is for the unexpected. It's so that the Canadian government can just get in touch with you should something go sideways. It's not for the things that you know you think are never gonna happen. It's the, the oh my goodness, I was not expecting it. You go there, it takes less than three minutes. Put in your name, your passport number, the dates you're traveling and your contact information and they will contact you should you need um, to be reached for, for some un- extraordinary situation. The other thing is consent letters. I do know that this is the time of year where maybe kids are traveling alone or with one parent or grandparents are taking the kids or you happen to take a friend's kids. Um, you can pull off a consent letter. Even if one parent is traveling without the other parent, you may need this. Um, you might not ever be asked for it, but you will be stopped in your tra- tracks. If you if you don't have it on hand, you can pull it down off of travel.gc.ca, fill in the information, sign it, and you're, and you're done. Um, it is also a reminder to check expiry dates. I mean, hopefully you've given, you've checked them well before now, but if you're traveling over the holidays, you might need that, you know, 24 hour exemption, get it as express as possible. I hope you don't, but um, just double check your expiry dates. I always suggest travel insurance. I don't want people to pay more than they need to, but what I do want you to do is check your credit card policies, maybe your work policies. If you don't have insurance, again, for the unexpected, I just don't want people to step on coral if they're going somewhere hot or slip on a pool deck um, and have something happen and they have to pay thousands of dollars and it would have been a lot cheaper with travel insurance. I'm still telling people, Jill, to pack light. Yeah. You know, uh, remember the the 311 rule if you're going through security, one zip top bag and everything else under um, 100 mils. Um, carry on only if you can. I know that's not always possible, but try to pack light. If you can go on, do carry on only. It, it can be really, really helpful. Just keep in mind, everybody likes to do that now. And so um, you make sure that you, 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 you know that you may have to gate check it if there's just not enough room in the overhead bins. It's a really busy time. All the planes are going to be full, so just keep that in mind. I also suggest uh, technology, and I know I'm doing a lot of the talking here. I just have such, you know, there's so many things to remember, but checking in online, if at all possible, pre-book your seats online. Uh, Make sure your flight's on time before you actually even head to the airport. And if you plan on watching a particular show, like on a Netflix or something, do all those downloads before you get to the airport. The Wi-Fi, I don't care which airport you're going to, it's always slow. So do it um, Do it before you head to the airport. Um, I still say pack chargers, pack 
um, power banks like battery packs just in case you've got an unexpected delay and it's hard to get charging at the airport. The plugins are always full, I notice. And if you don't want to spend a lot of money, I know it sounds super cheap, but um, if you have a family of four like me, I always take refillable water bottles. I take them through the security uh, empty and then I fill them up at um, you know, either a fountain or in the restroom at a sink. But it will save you so much money because I don't care which airport you are in Canada. It's anywhere between 4 and $7 for a bottle of water that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be worth doing that. And just pack your patience. Just a reminder, it's a really busy time period. And just take maybe just pad in a little bit of extra time, you know, especially if you want to um, get through with no stress and get, a say, a Starbucks or a Thames or whatever it is you want. All of the lines are going to be busy. Yeah, that's very, very good advice. It's funny when you mentioned the water bottles, I, I remember, and this was, I think, years ago when you also were talking about trips and kind of hacks for getting through and uh, not spending a lot of money, but having those comforts. And I think, unless I'm making this up, and I don't think I am, but I remember you saying you could take a water bottle onto the plane and get them to fill it with hot water and have yeah. a hot water bottle and have that to be comfy and just little things you could do to make your travel more comfortable. Yeah, and for those people who are going on long-haul flights, I always say if you possibly can and you have some room, even if you tie a neck pillow around your backpack or your personal item, I find that that is always so comfortable if you're trying to sleep on board. And pack maybe eye shades and earplugs because for me, I can't sleep on a plane without them, but if I've got them, I can sleep like a baby. So it's worth just taking the extra steps and, and when you're going on trips over the holidays and you're trying to pack light, it can be extra hard. So I do it maybe a day or two in advance. I'm actually traveling myself. Last year, you might remember, I traveled on December 23rd. I was one of maybe 40 flights that happened to get out because it was such an awful time period. The weather is looking much more mild right across the country. So I don't think we're going to have those weather situations we had last year. Um, but I'm this year, I'm traveling on December 25th. I'm not expecting as busy lineups. I'm, I'll check online to see how the lineups are, and I'll always pad in extra time. Um, but I, I do pack well in advance. I mean, I'm only going to my mom and dad's place down in Scottsdale uh, with my family, and I plan on being in pajamas 90% of the time <laughs> if I possibly can. So I always pack light, and they've got some things down there for me. But you know, do your checklists in advance. If you're lucky enough to go be going somewhere hot, hopefully you just you're taking smaller items like T-shirts and shorts and things like that. But um, I do find that uh, maybe making a list and doing, you know, looking things out a couple of days ahead of what you would normally do does help. All of that, like you said, even if it's the 25th and it's not as busy, still a very, very busy time for travel. Uh, So great tips for people if you might be traveling or you have family or friends who are. Uh, Let's talk about a couple of the other ones that you sent because some expansions when it comes to where different airlines are going to be going. Yeah, um, there are one of the things that I wanted to touch base on was um, how Air Canada is boosting its North American network capacity for summer 2024. Basically, at the end of the day, they'll for summer in 2024, they'll be serving 120 destinations. They'll have an increase of about 5%. But the key for me was some of the YVR um, flights that they'll be either going to or increasing the capacity. So starting on May 14th, they're going to be resuming flights to Anchorage. So Anchorage, Alaska, that's an important one, if you, especially if you want to do one-way cruises. So either up to Alaska or down, rather than those round trip from Vancouver. 
So they are going to be starting daily flights on May the 14th. Austin, which is such a great music town, it's also great food. Anyway, Austin, Texas, they will be resuming flights as of May the 1st, so increasing to four times a week up from twice a week. And then Halifax, they're going to be starting on May 1st doing twice daily flights. So that's obviously an important route for people over the summer months. Um, those, those really stuck out to me. Porter Airlines also increasing their capacity uh, to Ottawa. And that will affect the West because they're going to be increasing service, twice daily service to Vancouver from Ottawa, Edmonton, and Calgary. So that's really great news uh, for those who, I don't know, I know a lot of people who have kids in university in Ottawa or nearby. It's also good for those who went to school, who go to school in Queens, um, which is Kingston, Ontario, because it's only an hour drive rather than Toronto, where it's like a two and a half hour drive. So just to keep that in mind. That uh, is great as well. And I wanted to talk about this one because people always ask, well, why aren't there more financial penalties for airlines if they are the ones that are causing the delays or if something goes horribly wrong? Uh, This is a big fine. And this was handed out to Southwest. Oh, and it was all to do with that crazy, that meltdown last winter break. I actually saw people at the airport who were affected by this. And the Department of Transport in um, the U.S. are are finding them $140 million for operational meltdowns that happened last year. That was a massive meltdown. It was between December the 21st and December the 31st, and they canceled almost 17,000 flights, and it impacted more than 2 million customers. I don't know who gets that fine, um, but I, I, I'm guessing it's not the clients who were actually impacted. It's the government, um, but it is, a, it is a notable size for sure. All right. Uh, that's uh, definitely a big fine given to Southwest. Uh, Claire, let's get people traveling. What deals do you have for us today? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm again going rogue on you because <laughs> there's been some drops in prices. So I'm the first one I'm going to do is the Riviera Maya. So I had some January dates for $7.99 plus taxes, but I've got some April dates, April 12th, 13th. 15th, 20th, or 22nd, where I found a deal where air and seven nights in a four-star beachfront all-inclusive resort is $649. The taxes are almost the same on that, $606. Um, there is one date for a seven-night Alaska cruise I wanted to share. April, um, no, May 1st. It's a seven-night cruise, round-trip Vancouver, with a $50 US dollar onboard credit, $399. It's so low, the taxes are actually more. They're $488, but a steal if you can do it and a total bucket list. So piquing anybody's interest, if they can make a decision before the end of the year, um, December 31st is the deadline for this, but what a steal. It's to the Amazon and Galapagos. It's February the 15th, right through until October 11th. So there's certain dates in there, but check this out, Jill. It's the airfare included, 10 night guided vacation, the accommodation, breakfast every day, all of the sightseeing and transfers, including tax and air, twenty six twenty nine. It is the lowest I have ever seen. It is such a deal. Um, if the Galapagos has been on your list, I know it's um, late notice, but it just came out. So you've got, I don't know, 10 days to decide, but a heck of a deal. <laughs> Who needs more than that? Come right? On. Yeah. Right. What a great uh, deal. 
Yeah, I have one more if you have time. Sure, Probably let's not, do one though. more. Well, you we'll do, do, we okay. can do one more quickly. Sure. So this one just came out. Um, it's to Italy, but it's it's really focusing on three cities, Milan, Venice, and Naples. This is not including air. This is a land only. So you could tack on accommodation on either end or maybe a cruise or something. But this is between April the 10th and the end of next November. So this is seven-night guided vacation, all in four-star hotels. Again, those hotels are in Milan, Venice, and Naples. Breakfast every day, one dinner, sightseeing and transfers. It's the sightseeing, though. Like, there's a ferry ride to Capri. There's a boat tour in Lake Orta. Um, Venice, there's uh, a boat ride in Venice. Entrance to Pompeii. You get to go into the Murano glasswork in Venice. It has to be booked by January 7th, but it's 1279 tax included hmm. for the seven-night guided vacation. All right. Some uh, amazing deals as we get close to the end of the year. I know they're all on the website. Claire, thank you so much. Thanks, Jill. Happy Christmas. You too. Thanks for being with us so on this Wednesday afternoon. We started the show talking about the expansion of the single-use plastics ban, something BC has been doing now with new federal rules. You might notice some changes depending on whether you're going to a cafe or somewhere where you're taking food to go. We've also been talking a lot about the restaurant industry in this province and with some restaurants closing down and some concerns about what things are going to look like going into 2024. Well, Owen Coomer is joining us once again, Chief Operating Officer of Tap House Taverns. Owen, great to have you back on the show. Well, thanks very much for having me. I wanted to start with the plastics ban because I know there's still a bit of confusion depending on what municipality or city you live in, whether it's uh, that ban, the province's ban, or the federal ban. Uh, How has it been for you as far as uh, your operations? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a good good point because obviously uh, with different cities, like I think Vancouver is one of the first to start it in BC and, you know, uh, and then Surrey ended up uh, putting out an announcement. uh, But, you know, we hadn't actually received anything for Coquitlam yet. But because we have the two locations, you know, we already kind of figured that, okay, this is the way it's going to go. So let's just may as well just start moving forward with it and just kind of get used to it. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely there, there's a lot of um, like there isn't a lot of full on communication. And like there's so many technicalities. And there's just like I said, there's federal bans, provincial bans, municipal bans. Like, it's just, it seems to be kind of a little bit of a mess, and, and there's a lot of places that are, I think, going to get stuck in a, in, a, in a gray area of really knowing what is allowed and what isn't. And uh, the one I think that, and we're getting a lot of feedback on it today as well, is the idea if you're taking something to go as far as a beverage, having to ask for a lid, in that I can't imagine there are a lot of people who don't want a lid if they're taking a cup of something to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, I even heard, I think, uh, on the news yesterday, they were talking about you're going to have to, you know, ask for a napkin. I mean, I I think it's bad enough going into, and and again, this is talking about different municipalities, but, you know, if I go stop at McDonald's and I grab a Big Mac, they they say, do you want a bag with it? It's like, I'm in a takeout like a car like yeah. i should automatically be given it rather than oh here's your fries here's your big mac here's your drink because i don't want to pay 25 cents but if i go to coquitlam i get a big mac there it isn't automatically the it comes in a bag and things like that like it's just i find it kind of uh, a little ridiculous like i said when you're getting takeout it should be an automatic if, if anything you should be saying no i won't require utensils no i won't require a napkin you know but uh 
which which you see a lot of times actually on like the third party apps. They give you the option, but again, most people when they're getting something to go want the full package. <laughs> right, or if or if you if you don't need that, if you're going straight home, say, or, or if you you can mm-hmm. you can mention that or, or tell them that in, in that scenario. Do you get many mm-hmm. people at Tap House? Is it more maybe if people haven't finished their meal, they take it to go, or do you get many people that are ordering for the 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 purpose of coming getting it to take it away? Um, we get a lot more, obviously, with the third-party deliveries, but because our two locations are next to hotels, um, and and most hotels aren't standardized where they're giving you automatically, you know, cutlery and things like that, that people are coming in and they're requesting, you know, utensils and or, or napkins or even, you know, uh, sani uh, wipes and things like that. Um, and, and for the inside restaurant, um, yeah, people people still do ask for, uh, you know, the, the food to be packed up and, and wrapped up. And it's, sometimes it's even just difficult because you want to give them a bag, you want to give them an additional napkin, and, but sometimes we're just giving them the, the, the container that has the food because of costs. Because that's the other flip of the coin on this matter is that the sheer cost for takeout and, and, and when they're talking about banning plastics, it's more expensive to get the eco-friendly stuff or paper or any of that stuff. And it's... Uh, it's becoming a big part of our uh, our industry is is, is takeout and delivery. So uh, it's just the sheer sheer costs are 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 getting out of hand. Well, and when we talk about that too, and we've certainly talked about this in the past, and the challenges for the restaurant industry. A lot of restaurants have closed. Others, uh, not sure what things are going to look like in 2024. Uh, how are things going as far as the restaurant industry? Uh, not good. Um, I mean. I'm, I'm expecting, and this is a sad state of affairs, but I, I believe that anybody that's hanging on or barely hanging on is probably waiting for this December revenue to finish. And then come the, the, the new year, there's going to be a significant drop in businesses. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very hard out there. I mean, the hospitality industry, just with the sheer cost of everything from labor to food cost to inflation to taxes, like takeout containers to everything, I mean, it all adds up. And they used to say, you know, if you could make 10 cents on the dollar, you're, you're, you're great. It's now like a half a cent is what you make. And I think that the last stat uh, they were talking about was 9% of, of businesses in the hospitality industry is at least making 10% uh, or more and that they're doing well. But over 50% are either breaking even or they're not making any money. And that's, that's, the, that's the sad state of affairs. It, it's getting ugly out there. So, I mean, if, if we're talking about even this, this going to, you know, uh, uh, straws or, or getting out of plastics or doing all this other stuff, like I think it would be nice to maybe be able to have the government help out by by reducing some costs to it, or or if a company is making willing to make the change, that they get a cutback of some sort because it's um, it's nasty out there, and I think it's also going to get worse now that the gov- that government loan that a lot of restaurants took out, they they're not able to pay that back, and it's they're they're not going to be able to pay that loan. I was uh, that was my next question was the the SIBA loans. So these are the loans that many places got in the beginning of the pandemic to keep them going, uh, to keep them afloat. There have been some extensions. It doesn't look like there's going to be another one. How significant do do you think that is going to be with those loans coming due in January? Uh, I think it's it's going to be dramatic. I I really believe that. Um, I, I think most places just can't afford it, uh, and they won't be able to pay it back. And I'm not saying that it, it's not, um, you know, r- right or, or any of that kind of stuff, because obviously the government did grant a loan during a really difficult time for everybody. 
But, I mean, the hospitality industry is the backbone of, of, of the industry. I mean, the amount of people that work in that field is tremendous. And, and, and having fewer and fewer jobs because places can't afford to stay open because people are struggling. People don't have the extra money to be able to buy things anymore or go out as often as they do or whatever. I mean, I, I don't want to be a, a radical in saying, but it's like we're not talking about like a tremendous amount of money that's owed back. But I think that the government needs to look at it and say, you know what, we're going to help these places out. And, and you know, the amount of money that's going overseas, I think that they could probably, you know, help out the business that are inside the country. You know, like I just I, I feel like there, there needs to be something really, really significant, because, again, it scares me about what 2024 is going to look like. I do not see a recovery in the hospitality industry, uh, maybe 2025, but mm-hmm. things are going to have to radically change. And and what needs to change first in that uh, and when we've looked at polls that have been done and kind of the behavior of the consumer as well, a lot of people saying if they haven't already cut back on going out, they are going to cut back more. And and it's not only because of, of the high cost of things, it's kind of everything altogether. All so what do you think needs to radically change to get things back on track? Um, uh, to be perfectly honest, Vivian, I think it needs to be a change in government uh, federally. I, I think that it needs to, they, we need to take a hard approach about um, rectifying Canadians and, and, and doing whatever we can to reduce such costs, whether it's housing, whether it's homelessness, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's just getting back to having some sort of spending money that people can have, whether it's reducing, you know, carbon taxes or, or, or taxation in, in, in general. I mean, I think that there is, it's, it's going to be a radical shift that I think that we really need to um, cut back on, on uh, overspending, especially overseas, you know, with everything that we're doing, uh, unfortunately, and start helping Canadians uh, that are struggling to get by. Because, I mean, I've even heard about, you know, the, the middle class, you know, are basically almost broke or just paying their bills. I mean, that's not right, you know. So uh, I think there's definitely going to be have to be some major changes from the top up. And Owen, uh, just one more question as well, going back and talking about this policy and also kind of ties into some of the decisions that have been made by various levels of government. The timing of the plastic span, even if people are on board with this and think, okay, this is a good idea, this is a good shift, the timing of it happening on December 20th during the busiest restaurant times or the busiest times, like you said, this is where restaurants this time they're looking at their profits in, in this holiday season. Could it have been better timed in that would have waiting until January would have been a better thing? Of course it would, you know, but I mean, unfortunately, that's where you see sometimes uh, I find that the government makes some silly decisions as to when when things get relaunched. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I, everybody in the hospitality industry um, has been looking forward to the winter season. I mean, that is arguably when most places make the, the most amount of money. Um, and I, I just feel that when you're booking so many parties, Christmas parties, it's it's that much busier. You know, it's also, you know, a str- it, there's a struggle also with even staffing because, you know, people do get sick during this time because it's flu season and so on. Like, it's, it's a busy in itself already. And then throw in something like this where you're kind of like, okay, we're going to have to conventionally change dramatically kind of how our business, uh, you know, and takeout model and, and single-use plastics and single-use uh, perishable items, things like that, like, why not just wait until 
mid-January or end of January, where it's usually most of the time is the slowest season, you know, or at least say that uh, we're going to start it here, but we'll give you X amount of time until we start actually, you know, focusing, like give us, it starts today, but really we're not going to start it until February 1st, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're just giving everybody a heads up. Like you could do that, but you know, they, they, they just don't think sometimes they never really, go out of their way to talk to the hospitality industry or the uh, the liquor industry or, or the hotel association and tell them, hey, you know, could this date be a little bit better for us? You know, but they like to go ahead and do things on their own. All right. Well, on that note, Owen, I hope that it is a good holiday season for you. And thank you so much, as always, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.